Uh, well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Um, I'm just going to uh, open in prayer, and then uh, we'll get on with this. Thank you, Lord. We want to thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessing this morning. Thank you for your favor through us, Lord, and to us. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would take this word and it would be so anointed by your spirit that it would achieve the purpose you sent it for. Lord, that it would not return to you void. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So here's a question. Do we just borrow the word, occasionally pick up on the odd scripture? Do we get it from other people or do we get it for ourselves? As, you, as many of you know, we're, we're in the process of moving house. And um, I had to dig out the, the um, deeds of the property. And what I thought for six years that we've been here, that the garage that I used was rented, actually belonged to us. It was ours. And I re- realized that. I thought, oh, I could have done so much more. You know, I could have changed the garage door and it would have been so much better. However, just a little lesson. We'll see the relevance of that later. I've got a neighbor, he rents his, but he's turned it into a workshop. It's a great setup. So we're going to look at um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is, is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to all men in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles." so that they may be saved, in that this, in this way they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So in this passage, Paul is teaching um, and speaking to the Thessalonians. He was concerned about them. He'd left them uh, in a hurry, and he'd written back, as Abby mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that um, they were that they were to be... Uh, strong in the faith. He was concerned that they uh, um, would fall away. But he found out that no, they weren't. And he was saying to them, you received the word we spoke, he and his colleagues, and you received it as though God was speaking to them, which he was. And, he, and in chapter 1, verse 5, it says they, it was spoken to them with power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction, it really got in there. Something had happened inside them. And um, so it was so impacted on them that they were willing to be persecuted. Almost immediately, there was persecution. Within weeks of them becoming uh, Christians, there was persecution from their fellow people in that town. And they were radically transformed. To, and... Um, they realized this was the very word of God. They were idol worshippers, um, and, um, and this was so different, they radically changed, changed away from their way of life they'd had. When Paul spoke, um, 
there was an element of Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's so sharp, it cuts deeply. I remember watching uh, the 24-7 prayer and um, uh, Greg, uh, Peter Gregg, is it? Brought in a Roman sword, as was. It looked sharp. I mean, it really was. It was so sharp, you could imagine it cutting through anything. The Word of God is like that. It will cut through anything right down to where it needs to go, right into the heart. An example of this would be people like John Wesley. 1738, he preached to three to 5,000 coal miners in fields at, near Bristol. And they were so moved by the word they heard uh, of their sin in their lives and yet the grace of God that they were weeping. And these were coal miners, really hard-bitten coal miners and so on. Their faces were black, but when they heard the word, they were with tears. And it ran down their faces, making white marks down their faces. It was so deeply. And from that, that was the beginning of the, of the Wesleyan revival in this country. And it probably changed the direction of this country um, from being like the French Revolution to one that is more is Christian-based. Another might be Jonathan Edwards. He preached a couple of years later in 1741 um, a famous sermon. If you haven't seen, heard it, Go online, you'll find it. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. He's preached this at Enfield, Connecticut. And such was the power of that sermon that people were crying out because they saw the floor disappear from them and the flames of hell appear in front of them. And they grasped hold of anything they could, pillars and pews and everything, because the fear of God had come upon them. They'd been nominal. They'd not really been committed to Christ. And here they were, faced with the possibility of hell. And they grasped hold of it. And they heard the grace of God and forgiveness. And that began the great awakening in America. And you, I'm sure you've heard of many other examples. Um, some you were not heard. Some you were uh, not heard. But they've happened. And, uh, and some we've experienced ourselves. I know I have. And... I heard about another guy, uh, 1812, um, Adonai Johnson, Adonorim Johnson. Never heard of him before until the other night, and I was listening to uh, about him and reading about him. He was going to go to, as American, he was going to go to India. He felt God had called him to, to go uh, to the to Far East or to the Far West from America, and he wasn't allowed in because he was not a British person. And there was trouble between England and the uh, United States at the time. And so he had to go to Burma. That meant he, he and his wife had to learn a whole new language to, before they could even do anything. They learned the language. They started to translate the Bible. They started to reach out. He and some fellow missionaries, they, after 12 years, only 18 people came to Christ. That's commitment. He was thrown in prison because he was suspected of being a spy uh, for various reasons. Uh, eventually, he, he, was, he was freed, and they carried on working. By the time he died, 8,000 people had become Christians. 100 churches had been planted. In 19, um, 
get this right, 1993, the head of the evangelical churches in, in Burma, or, or Myanmar as we now know it, um, said that there were six million Christians in Myanmar, most of all of whom would point back to Adenorum Johnson as the cause and reason for that. Even though we've never heard of him, I don't know if how many of you have heard of him, but his testimony and commitment was such that God used it. And as, when I prayed, I said about the word of God, it goes out and it doesn't return to him void. It will achieve what he's sent out to achieve. So when we read the Bible, it's God's word and it can, if we let it, activate our faith so that it releases encouragement, strengthening faith. It gives direction, assurance, conviction, anointing, a whole host of things it will do for us if we allow it to. It could give you assurance that, say, a new direction in your life uh, that God is calling you to. Uh, such a word I felt, um, I felt the Lord stirring in me some years ago now um, about uh, doing an, um, some study on the word. And then when I read 2 Timothy 2.15, handling accurately the word of Christ, I felt... I really need to get serious about this, which, he, which I did, and I, and I did an academic course in, in theology. Another text um, we came across, we were in the Lake Districts on holiday, and we were in Hawkshead Church, I don't know if anyone's been in there, but they, they discovered when cleaning the church that there were some painted over texts on the walls from hundreds of years ago, might have been seven or eight hundred years previously, and they'd uncovered these uh, only a few years previously. And one of these was, come, for all is ready. And at the time, we were thinking a lot of coming, moving down here. <laughs> here we are. We've been here six years. We're going to go now. <laughs> so, um, so you don't know what God's going to use, but let his word speak to you. Thessalonians receive the word of God's forgiveness and blessing, but they suffer persecution, which may happen to us. We just don't know where things are going at the moment. The thing is to be aware that when and if it does happen, we're able to stand firm in our faith. Thessalonians received it as a word from God, and they were able to withstand persecution and all that came with it, and it became an established church and stayed a church. There's still churches there. So it's all available for us. If you know the Lord, pray when you read the word, the Bible. Presumably you do it regularly, that the Lord will speak to you, and that you would hear him. Uh, as you get to know the written word, you get to know the living word, and you get to know him better. I've read and studied it for, for a number of years, and he still speaks through it, still challenges me, and he still encourages me, still guides me through it. And, you, and you'll be praying about some issue and so on, and God will just speak a word, um, just through anybody or through the word itself. Just be open to him to speak. <clears throat> the more that you read it, the more it gets into your being, and you'll find in situations just words come when you need to, uh, you're talking to someone, a word might come to, the, to you about it. And very often it's a word to speak into that situation. Don't keep getting it second hand. Get it for yourself. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mind. 
And if you don't know Jesus and his forgiveness, then you need to receive it uh, by confession of sin, acceptance of his forgiveness. It's there waiting for you. That garage that I've got, it's mine. I thought I'd rented it. It wasn't mine. You have opportunity for salvation. It's all done for you. Jesus has done it all on the cross. Don't add to it. There's nothing you can add to it to earn salvation. Don't try and achieve salvation by doing good things. You do those because you're saved, not because you want to get saved. Receive God's forgiveness. He's so gracious and merciful. He wants you just to acknowledge where you are, your, your life. You exchange your life. You may think it's a good one, but it's not, you know. For his life, an extraordinary life he's got waiting for you to do what he wants you to do. Just a practical thing. If you've never read the Bible through, get a reading plan. You can do it in a year. I found that a bit tough. I did it, but it's hard work trying to keep up. Try two years. Or even just pick up the New Testament and read it chapter by chapter. I read a chapter in the Old Testament, a chapter in the New Testament. I've got time. Um, and with a commentary. really helps when you get to the, the more obscure things like Job and Leviticus. You know, they're a, they're a bit sort of, what's going on here? <clears throat> Most of all, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and read it. If you are in a relationship with the Lord, he will. <clears throat> also, if you're talking to, a, say, someone who's not a believer yet, the word says, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If God brings a verse to you, speak it. That word will dig into their hearts. It won't return to God void. They may dismiss it at the time. Carry on. I was just talking to a neighbor the other day, and we are just talking about how th our house move was going. And so I was saying, this had happened, that has happened, the other has happened. He said, it was going okay. I said, yeah, all things work together for good. And he finished off for those who love God. I thought, oh, right. So we then talked into a dis discussion about Romans. And uh, he did have some background knowledge, but he doesn't know the Lord. But... That, that is dug in and it'll, it'll take fruit. So you can, you can receive what he's given. He speaks the word to you. And you can, whether you know him or whether you don't know him, if you don't know him, receive him. Receive his forgiveness. And if you do know him, receive what he's saying to you, your encouragement, the blessing, the favor. So I'm going to finish now. And Grace is going to come up after me. I'm going to pray, and then uh, Grace will come. Lord, I do thank you and praise you for all that you've done and spoken in our lives, your grace and your mercy and your blessing. Father, I praise and worship you. I thank you for the work of Jesus dying on the cross and your receiving of that, Lord, and you raised him from the dead. He's not a dead Savior. He's a glorious, risen, overcoming Savior. And we do receive and bless you, Father. Amen. Thank you. My name's Dan Baptist, and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. 
we'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.